Looking to take your career or small business to the next level? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Melissa Washington Show with your host, Melissa Washington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Melissa Washington Show. And today I have um, on my show, I've got Jeff Dunn, and currently he is in the midst of some summer recruiting for internships there at Intel. But um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to uh, welcome you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melissa. Good to be here. Yeah. All right. So just a little bit of background on you and I. We, we met a few years ago, and actually when I was unemployed looking for work, and you had came out and you spoke to our group about some great tools that we should all have, which I want to, definitely want to fit into this conversation about that and you're fantastic and and the easy way that you um, laid out everything but just you know we we stayed friends which is great and also you're so awesome to contribute to my book get back to work which I love that thank you so much oh it's my pleasure you're so good about giving back to others in the job search process it's it's a pleasure to be with you great well thank you so so let's just let's talk about you first so when you were growing up, what did you, what did you aspire to be? I'm always curious, you know, what, what, were, what were your aspirations? Well, when I went to UC Berkeley as a student, I got a, a job part-time in the Career Center, and I found there was all sorts of information out there, even before the Internet, about how to figure out what you wanted to be. And so I kind of buried myself in the career library for a few weeks, and I looked at human resources among many careers and figured out that uh, doing recruiting and staffing and, and finding the round peg for the round hole sounded like something I would be uh, interested in and good at. And I you know, talked to some people in the industry and uh, one of my first jobs was a school, uh, out of school was as a college recruiter and I kind of never looked back. Wow. So, so with recruiting, and we all know there's different types of recruiting. There's Staffing, recruiting, you know, there's headhunters, there's corporate recruiting. So can you just share with, and I think it's good because you have a good perspective, too, of uh, recruiting and what that looks like. When somebody says a recruiter, it's, it's very broad. So can you, like, share with the listeners, like, when we talk about a recruiter and also to even college recruiting? I mean, there's different types. Would you, would you mind just kind of sharing the different types of recruiting? Sure. So, so there are lots of people that are out there either on their own or working for an agency trying to hire for other companies. So you might work with a, a placement firm or a staffing firm or a headhunting firm. And in that case, you're trying to match clients and candidates and put them together. Um, on the corporate side, or if you're in-house, you're trying to just find companies for or find candidates for one company. So if you're uh, either contract or full-time with a company, that's, in most cases, your only client. You, you know, I work for Intel. I'm an employee. All I do is recruit for Intel. Um, sometimes people come in as contractors, and they'll work for six months for a company, and then they'll go on and find their next gig. And so I've done a little bit of everything in my career. I've been in-house corporate recruiter. I've been uh, working with staffing agencies. I've done contract recruiting for companies. And for me, I like the in-house model because I'm not selling all the time. I'm getting to hire for one company. I build relationships with hiring managers. I get to see the people that I help hire get uh, promoted. And 
I like the corporate ap- atmosphere. I like the, the, the company and department lunches and, and, and building those long-term relationships. So when you started at Intel, what did, what did you start recruiting for when you initially started at Intel? I started uh, hiring uh, hardware and software engineers. So I had anywhere from 30 to 50 requisitions on my plate. So I was trying to fill open positions uh, at the experience level, which we define as more than 18 months out of school. And then I I did some assignments in uh, the diversity space, trying to get more women into uh, Intel, into STEM careers. And now I'm a campus relations manager, which means I'm the point of contact with half a dozen universities, including UC Berkeley, UCLA, UC Davis, Sac State, Caltech. And I bring teams down to campus in the fall and in the spring, and we do career fairs, technical talks, information sessions, meet and greet sessions, meet with the faculty, trying to build the relationship with the university and trying to get the best and the brightest uh, engineer students to, uh, to come work for Intel. So with that, so let's touch upon a little bit about that because that's, you know, I guess you can say in a way that's traditional but non-traditional ways of looking for a job because not that they're just going to submit the resume to you. They could potentially meet you or one of your team at a job fair. So, I mean, this could be not just for colleges, but, you know, if, if we're looking at the college student that's going to, going to come to meet you or your team at one of these, um, at a job fair or presentation, how, how would they, how best prepared or how do you see that someone stands out? I mean, you may see 100 people or 50 people. Do all of them stand out, or what makes them stand out when when you meet somebody? It's really important. The preparation is really the key. If you want to stand out from the crowd, it helps that you know a little something about the companies that you're talking to. It helps that you're well-dressed. It helps that you've got extra copies of your resume. And it helps to have that sort of an elevator pitch, something to start off with. So if you say, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a computer science student. I'm graduating in... 2015, I'm looking for full-time opportunities in software, uh, particularly C++ or C Sharp. That gives the representative a little information about, you know, are you looking for an internship? Or are you looking for a full-time job after you uh, graduate? What, what degree and discipline do you have? Are you bachelor's, master's, PhD? Um, what are you looking for? You know, looking for work at a big company or a small company or the type of job and then they will ask you questions to suit their own hiring process. Like, have you applied on our website? Or do you have the right to work in the U.S. without sponsorship? Or what's your grade point average? I mean, they'll direct the conversation from there. But if you have a nice, friendly greeting and a starting point to go from, uh, it helps move the conversation along. And I usually remember people that are very enthusiastic, that are well-prepared, um, that ask me intelligent questions. Uh, that's definitely a definitely a good point because you definitely want to stand out because you know I've done those job fairs too and you just you see so many people but you you're going to remember those people that do um, that do stand out. So with that, so speaking of just job fairs in general, so how would someone research Intel or how would they find out information um, about Intel if they were interested in working there as a, as a college intern? And just to go back, do you only so it's only two times a year you hire interns? So, so most of our interns we hire for the summer. Uh, there are occasions where we would extend that if they're local. They can have the option of, of continuing to work here part-time while they're in school. But uh, most are the traditional 
you know, 10, 11 week summer um, internships where they work on a project and then present it out to a senior leader at the end of the summer. So we're typically looking for summer interns when we do our fall recruiting. Um, by spring, a lot of the slots have been filled. And with internships, so too, you know, it, I get a lot of questions too asked about internships. You have paid interns and not paid interns. So with Intel, do they get paid? The, they do get paid. All of our okay. interns are paid. And to go back to your other question, as you're sort of researching a company, yeah. um, every company's got a website. So you can certainly spend quite a bit of time just on the company's website looking through their products, their, their new announcements, their competition, uh, what locations they're in, what kind of benefits, what kind of job opportunities they have. So the website alone will give you a lot of information about um, what the company's big things are. You, you can also go to a website like Glassdoor to get information, profiles of companies, and, and real employees, past and uh, present, that will give you the scoop on you know, what it's like to work there and what they like about it, what they don't like about it. I would suggest that people will talk to people that used to work at a company to get a really honest assessment of what they liked and, and maybe some of the things that, that weren't so great. But the more homework you do ahead of time you know, about a company, the more intelligent you are. That, that will really help you stand out because most people don't take the time. They'll say, well, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah. So with that, so let's talk about the interview process because you've got some great tips and ways to get through the interview process. So now, you know, someone's met you at a, at a job fair or they sent your resume in and now you've scheduled some time to meet with them. How, what are some ways that someone can best prepare themselves for that interview? Well, the first thing is that keep in mind that the first interview that you have with a company is usually over the telephone. So you want to make sure that you're ready for the call that you slow down a little bit because they can't see you. Uh, you really want to be extra enthusiastic. Just practice smiling while you're on the phone. And have notes in front of you so you have things that you can reference. You have your resume. You can have the job description. You can have some stories and talking points, things that you want to make sure you cover. And then obviously a um, blank sheet of paper and pen to take notes as you're talking. I think one of the biggest things I suggest is to come up with some stories. You want to have some go-to stories that you can talk about when they ask you behavioral questions. So if the typical format of a question is like, tell me about a time or give me an example or share with me a situation when you had to do something and respond to something and then tell me what you did and what the result was, it helps to have stories that you can match to those kinds of questions. Rather than trying to come up with things off the top of your head, you memorize, I call them success stories. And just for your audience, I can give you some triggers for that. Think about things you've done that you're really proud of. Think about things that you've done that had a measurable result. Things you've done that were big, big projects that took weeks or months and maybe other people to help you. Things you've done in your field of study. Times where you had to deal with a difficult boss or colleague or coworker or student on a project. You think about these things and you come up with these examples and things you've done that you really feel good about. Then when they say, okay, Melissa, tell me about a time where 
you had a um, you, you set a goal or a goal was set for you professionally and tell me what you did to achieve it and if you didn't achieve it tell me what you learned from the process well if I haven't prepared before the interview I'm freaking out I'm going I don't I don't know it's hard to think but if you have some things that you've done you might say yes I can think of a time where I had a goal in 30 days and here are the things that I did to make that happen and the result was we hired 21 people in four weeks and I got recognized by my manager so over the phone you could literally read that out it's a true story but you've scripted it out a little bit to help tell what was the situation what was the action and what was the result and if you have maybe half a dozen of those stories memorized much easier when they ask you the question to think of something that you own you know the story very well and you just tell it versus trying to come up with something and, and uh, winging it which we see so many people do as, as recruiters right they're like uh, trying to figure it out but and just having something so simple I mean in a sense it is because you've done it so it's not like you said nothing you're making up it is your success story and just having that ready to go for for different questions um, that may be asked of you. Now that's that's awesome. What do you what? How do you feel about um, having someone do a mock interview with you before the actual interview? Do you, do you think that helps somebody? Well, I, I I probably won't give someone a mock interview right before I'm going to interview. Oh no, them, I mean that gonna... they yeah that they interview with somebody else before they actually have an interview with you. That they oh I think it's of... fabulous. Yeah. yeah, you you want to practice telling your stories. You want to make sure you get across your your key messages about why you're qualified for the job and your best strengths. Um, you also want to prepare questions to ask the employer because you know they're going to say, "Thank you for answering my questions. What questions do you have for me?" And if you don't have any, it's going to sound like you're not interested. So it's important to have extra questions ready, maybe even typed up, so that if they ask you you can respond with questions that show interest, that show you've done your homework, that show you, you want to be a top performer in the organization. Absolutely. And what do you feel, you know, you know, you're an experienced recruiter, if a candidate comes in and they actually have, you know, a, perf- you know, a, a portfolio, just some, some stuff written and they refer back to it. Are, are you okay with that if they open up and kind of re- review notes or take notes? Are you comfortable with something like that? Well, I'm certainly comfortable if they take notes, and I'm certainly comfortable if they type up questions that they want to ask. I don't think you can refer to your notes when you're telling stories. <laughs> yeah. But so that's, I think, yeah, that's why it's important, right, to go back to make sure you're comfortable with it and, you know, comfortable with saying it, whether you say it to yourself in the mirror or somebody else. You have to memorize your stories, but a portfolio is great to have extra copies of your resume, to have work samples to have a list of references, to have a letter of recommendation. Um, all those things are evidence of, of things that you've done, and they give you confidence because it's important to go in with confidence. So if you have a portfolio, you're not just going in um, cold with maybe a copy of your resume. You definitely want to have paper to take notes. Um, having all those things with you is, is great. You just can't look at your cheat sheet when you're trying to answer questions. <laughs> so, so do you have any, you know, whether it's here at Intel or, you know, you know, I come, you know, the recruiting role too, and I'm sure we have, you know, funny stories or just, you know, do you have anything? It doesn't have to be funny or just something or something that really stands out or maybe something that was 
you're very impressed with or you were very surprised at when someone came in for a for a face-to-face interview with you? Well, the 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 one thing I remember is is someone was chewing gum when they uh, came into the interview, and then their cell phone rang, and then said, "I'm sorry, I have to take this." <laughs> okay. Interview before it really got started, but uh, on the positive side, um, I've I've interviewed people and and I've said so. So this job would require putting together PowerPoint presentations. And the person said, actually, I have an example of something I've prepared if you'd like to look at it. Nice, nice, nice. So I like that. It's good to have the data and the material with you. You don't have to run them through the whole, the whole portfolio, but you say, I have this if you would like to look at it, and then take the cue from them. If they want to look at it, if they have time, terrific. If not, you've got it there when, when it's needed. Got it. So let's talk about, you know, being being a recruiter. And of course, you know, we hear it from, you know, from job seekers. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been a job seeker, so I'm sure you've probably been a job seeker. And you're like, okay, I've, I sent my resume in and they've never called me back. Or I went to an interview and I didn't hear from them. So, you know, I always like to share the other side of what recruiters go through. Um with that, so you don't have to be specific, but I think it's it's always good to enlighten others what's going on on the other side of that email that was sent or that resume that was sent or that voicemail that was left. And even though, you know, we try to get back to everyone, but just kind of maybe the data life of a recruiter. And, I mean, if you had 30 to 40, 50 recs you're working on for software engineers, that's a, that's a lot. Um, and as we know in the recruiting world, some jobs are hot. I mean, he's, like you've got to feel that, and then other positions, you just you're not able to get back to people that quickly on. So, you know, just kind of just share kind of an overall day in the life, so people listening will understand what's going on on the other end. Well, sure. So, so recruiters, like like most people in business, are going to have meetings and and other projects that they're working on. So they're not always at their desk. They're they're out at recruiting events sometimes, and their primary uh, objective many times is to fill as many jobs as they can or certainly to fill the key jobs that they have. So if you recognize that a recruiter is trying to fill jobs that the company has open, it's not their primary job to find you a job. And, and what that means is you can't come to me and say, what do you got? I'm pretty open. I'll do anything. It sounds desperate. You know, you're not you're not there to find them a job. You're trying to see if what they want matches what you need. And they're not going to have a lot of time for you. If they've interviewed you and the hiring manager's trying to make a decision, you know, you can follow up all day long, but they can't really, they can't provide much more than, well, the manager's going to get back to you. And they may give you very little feedback if you didn't get the job on what you could do to improve. So, you have to be persistent, but you have to recognize they have time constraints. They're getting hundreds of people applying, maybe dozens of people calling or emailing to get a status or to find out what else is coming up or how they could stand out. And you try to give as much time as you can to help them and give them tips, but recognize that, you know, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one company. You know, there might just not be a fit for a while at that company, so you have to look at multiple opportunities. Um, 
That's why you want to continue networking, continue meeting people face-to-face, -face, use tools like LinkedIn to connect to other people. Um, you, want to, you want to maximize your networking so that you're not waiting on one company. You've got many different opportunities that you're pursuing at any, any one time. Because a recruiter may want to do all they can to help you, but there just may be time constraints. There's, there's a limit to how much time they can spend with you. Absolutely. No, you gave great insight to that. Again, it's always important for others to understand what's going on. So what about follow-up? And you did mention that. I mean, of course, you want to be persistent, but not too persistent. So, you know, what do you think if, you know, someone doesn't have to be an intel, just, you know, someone's applied for a job, they went to the interview, and um, how often should they follow up, and when should they, I don't want to say give up, but when should they just stop following up, or should they stop following up? Well, they should ask, before they leave the interview, they should ask, what is your time frame for making a hiring decision? When can I expect to hear back? And, and the typical response is about two weeks. And, and a good response would be, okay, great. If I haven't heard in two weeks, is it okay if I follow up and get a business card so you can then follow up? And you can give them a thank you note that same day, and you can give them a, uh, an email that says, hey, really enjoyed meeting you, wanted to follow up, I'm still interested, please let me know if you need any additional information. And they will tell you, if they're interested, and you may have other offers that you're, you're considering, uh, the company needs to get back with you on a timely basis. At Intel, we try to get back with everybody as soon as we can because we know it's a competitive field. Um, if you haven't heard back in a while, uh, either there's other priorities going on or they're just not interested. And so until you have an offer in hand, until you walk in the door and start that new job, you should always be uh, talking to new people, considering opportunities. Assume it's a no until it's a yes. Because you want to uh, get up and get out and get going every day until you find something. Absolutely. And you mentioned thank you cards. What, do you think you know, that's still relevant today to actually handwrite a thank you card? I think it's absolutely helpful to do a thank you note. It's a courtesy. They've spent the time to consider you. Most of the time, if you have e uh, handwriting like mine, an email is perfectly fine. I can probably count on one hand the number of thank handwritten thank you cards I've got from job applicants this year. So it's a nice touch, but I don't think it's required that you write a handwritten note. I think it's just a Thank you for taking the time to interview with me. After we talked about A, B, and C, it reconfirmed my interest in the job. I'm very interested. If you need any other information, please let me know. That way you've, you've thanked them for the time. You've re-expressed your interest. You've offered more information if needed. And, you know, you wait to hear back. And do you think that would influence a recruiter's decision if it was down to two candidates and one sent a thank you card and the other didn't? It's a it's a great question. What what I think is is helpful is if you're a great candidate, odds are you're you're going to be competitive and you may get an offer even if you don't do a thank you note. And if you're stretching, if you're really not a great fit for the job, no thank you note is going to get you an offer. But if it's if you're on the 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 border there or like equal, two equally qualified candidates and one follows up and does a thank you note and is very enthusiastic, I can certainly see where a hiring manager would say, this person really wants the job. Hmm. So in a sense, it's, it's important to take that extra, little extra time to, to, to jot something down and 
and, and get that over to the manager or recruiter. Well, it's a courtesy, yeah, and they're going to think pause. They're they're going to think you're you're showing you know professional etiquette. And uh, I've even seen situations where, you know, you you write the thank you note, and it comes back, and they say sorry, you know, we it was a tough decision, we selected someone else, but they come back a week later, a month later, three months later, and someone else has left or transferred or been promoted, and suddenly they have another opportunity, and they remember you, and you get a job without even having another interview. And that does happen, right? <laughs> it's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what you know, and uh, when I I speak with people too that are looking for work, the importance of too of networking, which you talked about too, and also too, you know, what we call the hidden job market, where jobs are never posted. And I'm sure through your recruiting career, you've not, hadn't post jobs, whether you had a candidate or you had a referral program. Um, do you still feel strongly that it, that exists? And, Again, not speaking specifically of Intel, but just in general, where a lot of jobs um, still aren't posted. It's all about who you know. Yeah, we don't know the exact percentage, but even if only 10% of the jobs that get filled out there are not advertised, you want access to that as a job seeker. You want to know about it before it comes up. You want to be thought of when they're considering the opening. So if for no other reason than that, you want to be networking. You want to get out, meet new people, Meet them face-to-face, tell your story, make sure that you know when they anticipate an opening, how are they going to communicate it, maybe beyond their, their website, and let the, stay in touch with them. Let them know you're interested. Let them know you're still out there available. Let them know you're looking at multiple opportunities. And, and again, the more people that know you and think favorably of you, the more likely you'll hear about something before it's advertised. I was out years ago at a job fair critiquing resumes. I was in transition. I met a colleague for lunch. He introduced me to somebody. I told her I was in transition and my friend said, oh, Jeff, I I didn't realize. You should call my friend Stephanie. She's looking for a recruiter. So I called Stephanie. A week later, I had an interview. The day after that, I had a recruiter job. Never advertised. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, It's out there. It's out there. Well, we're um, about to wrap up. Is there anything else that you want to share um, to listeners out there that might be in, you know, in transition, just some other helpful tips? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you never want to give up. You really want to be persistent. You really want to get out there. Don't, don't stay behind your computer. Get out, get dressed, and talk to people face-to-face. Meet them at Starbucks. Get out there and tell your story. Follow up. The worst thing I can do is say, I don't have anything or don't know anybody right now. But don't fear that rejection. Make sure you, you stay positive. You uh, talk to as many people as you can because if you have a skill set that they can use, they're going to be grateful that you came into their lives because they're going to be able to fill that job and move on to something else. No, very, very good advice. So, Jeff, now what is, what's your official title now at Intel? Campus Relations Manager. Campus Relations Manager, and you've, you've done a lot of um, moves there at, at, at Intel, right? So you've transitioned to different roles there too, right? Yeah, I've, I've done uh, frontline recruiting for different business groups. I've, I've had assignments in, in our diversity group. So I'm always looking for good engineers, especially software engineers. <laughs> software engineers. And are you specific about schools where you get these software engineers from? Not, is this for your internship program or just software engineers in general? 
Uh, both software engineers for interns and for full-time positions after you graduate. And we go to about 25, 26 schools uh, in person, but we recruit virtually from a couple hundred more. So we're not as particular on the school as having a 3.0 GPA and, and having some coursework in, in uh, C++ and Java and Perl and some of the, the common languages. But we can train on some of those. I need someone that's flexible and, and wants to continue to learn and grow. Got it. And how could somebody get a hold of you? Would you mind sharing your email address? Should they reach out to you on LinkedIn? What's the best way for someone to connect with you? Uh, they can reach out on LinkedIn. They can join the Intel Student Lounge group on LinkedIn. Or I'll give you my email. It's jeff.m.dunn at intel.com. Fantastic. There's a direct resource there for anyone interested um, in opportunities there at Intel. And uh, Intel's looking for software engineers. It's not like who have some flexibility because Intel's going to um, do some training, which is which is great. And are these positions, because um, I know you're at the um, the Folsom location, so are these positions, where are these positions specifically located? Uh, they're in Oregon, California, and Arizona for the most part. Okay, so the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Jeff, I know you're, you're busy um, recruiting college, college interns, which is fantastic. It's good to know our economy is still moving and we're still getting the uh, – college students with getting some internship experience. That's fantastic. And again, uh, thank you for your time and also contributing to my book. And you gave some fantastic tips as always. And I'm glad we've been able to stay connected these last few years. Thanks, Melissa. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Melissa Washington Show. Branding, career transitioning, marketing, you name it, she's got you covered. Head on over to MelissaWashington.com to stay up to date and get access to past shows. We'll see you next time.